and welcome back to another episode of Modern Survivability. Think fast, think accurate. On this episode, we're going to be talking about lessons learned. Stay tuned. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction, or so we are told. When it comes to being prepared, this always holds true. Today we're going to talk about some lessons learned about failing to prepare. Some of these things um, happen to me, and some are ones that um, have happened to other people around me, that are, or basically that I witnessed. Um, so let's dive in. My first example I'm going to talk about, uh, I was out on a summer hike alone in the 100 plus degree heat in a very arid environment, which altogether is a total recipe for disaster. About 12 years ago, I decided I was going to go on a short three-mile hike in a very rugged and arid area uh, close to where I live. I had done this hike many, many times before never had any problems. Now, most experts will always say don't travel alone, especially in the wilderness. They also say not to travel during very hot days. This time, I ignored all intelligent advice. I proceeded to hike the 1.5 miles in take some photos, and then when it was time to hike back, uh, I'd only made it about a quarter, maybe a quarter mile or so before I got dizzy and I had to sit down. It was super hot. Uh, I tried to stand up, couldn't do it. So I was like, let's pound some more water. So I drank a whole lot more water. Uh, and I took a little bit longer of a breather, a little break there. Uh, and instead of getting any better, I was just getting worse. The heat was really, really, really getting to me. So what I needed to do was find some shade real, real fast. Looking around the area I was in, there was boulders everywhere. Um, and there was only one, there's no trees or anything. So the only place I saw where I could have some shade uh, was a little space up under some rocks. So I slowly made my way over to that little area. And when I got there, it was actually a lot smaller than I thought it was from a distance. But uh, it was large enough for me to kind of get down there and kind of squeeze up in there and find some shade. Now, once I got inside this little uh, alcove or... You could call it a cave, I guess, but it's not really. Um, this little area is really just big enough for me to, to get in there and then sit up, uh, but it was in the shade. So I did that, uh, got cooled down, uh, drank some more water, cooled off, uh, took a, my bandana, wet it down in some more, and probably about, I don't know, 30, 35 to 40 minutes. And another two bottles of water later, I finally got cooled off enough uh, to make an attempt to make it back to my truck. I still had to stop a few more times on the way back, but uh, and it, it seemed like forever. Now, for one, I was in uh, having some heat-related issues there. Uh, so, you know, the judgment wasn't quite what it probably should have been, but it, it took a while. But I did make it back to the safety of my truck where it started up, turned the air conditioner on, uh, and cooled myself off. Now let's look at the epic mistakes I made for this, okay? First was going into a semi-dangerous hike alone. Um, and nowadays, I would never do that or tell somebody else to do that because it wasn't a good idea. Now, we did discuss in a uh, previous cast about hiking alone, but that was to an effect and rescue during a bug out or uh, during an injury while out hiking. So that's, that's not really the same. Um, never go alone. Plus, always let someone else know where you're going and when you think you should be back. Next was not heeding the weather advisories about the scorching heat. 
I believe that day was probably about 105 degrees with a heat index over 115. Uh, having to been, at that time been deployed to the Middle East three times already, uh, I thought I was good. That was a mistake. Never overestimate your abilities, uh, especially when it can cause harm to you or someone else. You're going to get yourself in trouble. People always, seems like one of the, the top things that happens during one of these uh, rescues or some uh, people that have to get rescued, one of these things, is people tend to overestimate their abilities and underestimate the situation they're in. So just don't do it. And the last thing for this was not having a better way to cool off along the route other than a bandana. Um, don't get me wrong, they work. It's just there were better options and I didn't use them. So nowadays when I hike in the heat, um, I take other things with me to keep me cool. I try to plan my trip a little bit better um, during cooler parts of the day like you like you really should. Um, and I never hike alone. So just keep that in mind. Those are some uh, definite lessons learned. I know some of you listening are like, well, that seems like common sense. You'd be surprised how many times I've been out uh, in this area or other areas doing hikes or doing things where um, in the heat where people should have like a camelback or, you know, quite a bit of water because um, you're going to go through quite a bit of water on a, on a day when it's super hot, especially when it's humid. Uh, and I've been out in these places and seen people out there with literally just a small bottle of water thinking they're going to hike eight miles in extreme heat. Um, and most of the time, those are the people that uh, end up getting rescued by search and rescue or having a heat stroke or something like that. So for this first example, um, the takeaway lessons or the takeaway or lessons learned for this one is, for one, never hike alone. Two, always check the weather and have a plan to fight the environment. In this case, it was hot weather. So that was the first uh, example I used. Now, my next example took place about five years ago. Uh, I was out with a friend on an adventure to explore a local place called the Rock Rooms. Uh, we really don't have any true caves or caverns in my small neck of the woods, but we do have a ton of what are called rock rooms. And basically, when a boulder or boulders fall off the side of a mountain and they stack up in little valleys and, and things like that, they create voids up underneath them and around them. Uh, these voids can sometimes link together for quite a distance, so it kind of looks like a cave, but it's really not. Uh, they're really fun to uh, go inside and check out. Uh, this particular one uh, is quite long. It's hard to find. It's up on top of a mountain, for starters, which is kind of odd. Um, but uh, sometimes, different times of the year, it can be very wet inside this place. And on one trip I went uh, through this, I had to basically go underwater to get out the other side. Uh, nothing super crazy, but it does have its risks uh, involved. But I'd been through it quite a few times. Uh, it's a really, really beautiful, amazing place to go check out. However, if you've never been there before, uh, you're probably going to have to find somebody to take you that knows where it's at because if you don't, finding the entrance will take you quite a while. Um, it took me quite a while, actually a year or so, before I found the entrance the first time. And then after that, I've been through it several times since then. However, so um, this place, uh, the exit, you go on one side, you come out the other. Obviously, the exit puts you out on the side of a mountain. Now, most people scurry down what is referred to as the rock slide, not a rock slide. It's a, it's a feature called the rock slide. Um, it's basically a big piece of granite that goes down at a uh, probably 40-degree angle or, I don't know, 30-degree angle, uh, something like that. But you can scurry down it with decent shoes. 
uh, this particular day we ended up on the wrong, uh, came out of the rock rooms in the wrong spot to use the slide. And Steve, if you're listening, I'll let you down and try not to laugh. Uh, the other side uh, where we came out, I would need a small rope to make it off the ledge we were on, probably about 12, uh, 15 foot down, I guess. Um, and I that particular day, for whatever reason, I didn't carry a small rope because it was more of a hiking thing than a climbing thing. I tried to use a strap that I had on my pack, but it was not long enough. Um, so now I'm thinking the only way other than a rescue mission is I'm going to have to go back through the rock rooms uh, on the top side. There's two ways. There's a way across the top and then a way down through the rock rooms. Down through the rock rooms would require me to go up a couple of places I had to drop down, which are pretty hard to get back up. Um, so I was thinking the top way. But the top way is super sketchy. At least for me, it is. Um, ironically, it involves two chains that are bolted to the wall, uh, and they were put there because somebody fell in there uh, and died years ago. Uh, the chains are routed, routed over a large, because it's a large chasm. It's probably 30 to 40 foot deep, I would guess. Um, and I guess probably after about 30 minutes of pondering this, uh, trying to find another way out, uh, we chose to use the chains. Now, I got a full backpack on that probably weighs, at that time, probably about 30 pounds. I didn't have any climbing equipment with me, so uh, it was going to be quite fun trying to use these uh, chains that are bolted to the side of a wall over the chasm. Now, I'm not afraid of heights because I've been rock climbing for well over 20 years, but this one terrified me. Let's look at why. One, I let my emotions get the better of me. Um, it's not a great idea in any circumstance, much less uh, one I considered in a moment of survival. Um, that was kind of the thing because if I slip off this chain, it's a wrap. Um, but that's the only way I had to get out. So the second thing I did wrong was not having a way to get down off the ledge. A small rope um, or a decent length of like some climbing webbing or something like that would have worked perfectly. And the last thing was not having a way to attach myself to the chains. Normally when I go out on something similar to this, I would have had a climbing harness with me, but this day I didn't because I failed the plan. Um, now let's look at some of the ways I improved from this incident. All right, the first thing I did, or the first thing I did after the fact is I put two sets of webbing in my pack, and they go with me everywhere. Um, even if I'm not climbing or whatever, just hiking, they always are in there. I also carry... Uh, four to six carabiners, two of them locking, uh, that I can help use with slings to make my own impromptu harness or to get down off a ledge or something if I have to. And the last part for this one, and the most important part, is to remain calm. Um, I've learned since then, to, in certain circumstances like this, you have to remain calm. If you don't, bad things can get worse. Now let's look at another example of being ill-prepared. I was on a hike in the summer of, I believe it was 2014, in Mount Rainier National Park in Washington State. It was June, and not all the snowpack at the lower levels had melted yet. If you know anything about Mount Rainier, some of the trails don't even open to after July just because of how much snow they get there um, every year. They normally set records every year for the most snowfall within the continental United States, uh, sometimes well over like 90 feet of snow. So there's that. And I was at probably... Uh, I'd say 4,000 feet in elevation. So there's still snow on the ground, and the trails were really, really icy, but not um, 
not to such a degree that I couldn't hike for most of it. Anyway, um, the trail I was on is the Comet Falls Trail. It's about three, I want to say it's three miles out, three miles back. Um, about two miles into it, I made a decision to turn back due to the depth of the snow and the icy trails because the further up I got, obviously it was going up in elevation. And I got to a point where unless I would have had ice axes and crampons or something like that, I wasn't going to make it. So I was like, you know what? Don't have the right gear to proceed. I'm just going to turn around and head back. Um, so I turned back, and during this time, I decided to stop and have lunch right off the trail. Uh, while I was sitting and enjoying the nature, a group of four young adults, uh, two guys, two girls, uh, passed me headed up the trail. Now, what struck me out right off the bat was they were dressed in regular street clothes, and they had tennis shoes on. And each one of them had, like, a water bottle with them. And that was that was it. That's all they had. Right off the bat, I'm thinking, man, these guys are not prepared for this environment. Because even in June, it was still cold up there. I'm still in a warm jacket, gloves, you know, hiking boots, all the, the whole nine yards. And this trail uh, can be difficult, especially this time of year when it was still covered in snow. And to top that off, they were acting stupid by throwing rocks down the cliff and so on. Because certain parts of the trail you can see down to, there's a creek. Uh, and at some points, it's about 250 to 300 foot down. They're just tossing rocks and being dumb. Uh, so probably about 30 minutes after they had passed me, one of the guys came running back to me down the trail. And he asked, all out of breath and you know frantic and stuff, if I had a first aid kit. Um, I did obviously have one. So I was like, what happened and where are you guys at? So he's like, hey, we're, we're just right up the trail. Uh, my buddy got hit in the head with a rock. So I'm like, oh, joy. So got the first aid kit, and I followed him back. And the group had actually gone a lot further than I, I did when I turned around. Um, and they had passed two fall zones that were extremely weak, covered in snow and being undercut by the water uh, draining off the mountain. Um, and each one of those was probably about a 250-foot drop straight to the creek below. So um, the fact that they made it past there without getting injured was a miracle at least the way I saw it. Um, anyway, so I got to the injured person. I bandaged him up. Um, and then I got them, told them, hey, you guys need to follow me back out. These guys really aren't prepared for this. He needs to go to the hospital anyway and get stitches, so let's go. So come to find out what had actually happened was they were throwing rocks up the mountain at some uh, little ledge that was up there, dislodged a larger stone, that fell off and came back down the mountain and luckily hit him with a glancing blow because it was like the size of a pizza box. Had it actually hit him directly in the head, it would have been a wrap. Um, but it split him open a good bit. Got him fixed up, so we proceeded back. I told him, hey, I'll lead you guys back out. I'm headed that way anyway. You guys follow me. Um, and in the process, I showed them the immense danger of the trail that they had taken and why it was a bad idea. Uh, we, I showed them the two fall zones that led down to the creek that would have been an instant instant death, I would say, falling down an icy uh, side of a mountain 250 foot into some large boulders. Well, yeah, so um, not to mention that. Granted, this is a short trail, um, and I've hiked it all times of year. Um, the area is a dead zone, period. Most of the park is, actually. Um, the area is a dead zone for cell service, and... Like I said, even though it's a short trail, it's very difficult to rain. And then when you throw snow and ice on top of it, it's even worse. Plus, not prepared. So let's look at all this group's bad decisions. The first was not being dressed for the environment. They had on basically what I would equate to gym clothes. Like, seriously. 
it was still cold out there. Uh, the snow was up to two foot deep in some sections still. Second, uh, they didn't have even the most basic of gear with them. They had a few bottles of water for four people uh, and a cell phone that didn't work. Other than that, they had no food, no no first aid, obviously, no map, no compass, no nothing to start a fire with. The list goes on and on. Um, the trail is, like I said, short. It's like three miles out or so. Um, but it's in a very mountainous environment. And Mount Rainier is actually known for having really, really rapidly changing weather. And other names are out there, wildlife and so on and so forth. There's been hikers that have died getting lost on that small trail. So there's that. And the last thing they did was uh, failing to plan anything out. They just went out on a whim, and they could have gotten themselves killed. Now let's talk about some of the ways to mitigate some of these things. One I believe in is checklists. Some people will be like, oh, I don't need a list. And to that, I will respond by saying, how many times have you gone to the grocery store for one item, bought $200 worth of stuff, and still forgot what you went for? Everybody has. That's the answer to that. What gets checked gets done and remembered for the most part. When it comes to these kits that we talk about so much and um, after all you have perfected all these kits and all these things, make a list of it, then laminate it and put it in the kit. In the event you have to bug out or use the kit, you will be able to check it quickly to make sure everything is in there that you need so you don't forget anything. Pretty simple. Survival psychology was a topic discussed in an earlier cast. When things happen that you weren't expecting, or when a wrong turn is made, or a piece of gear is lost or broken, what do you do? The second takeaway, or lesson learned from these stories, and many like it from around the world, is to always remain calm. Right? Gotta remain calm. It will probably be the hardest thing uh, to do for most people during any kind of event. Barring any immediate danger, stop, take a deep breath, and evaluate your situation and the ways you can solve the issues. This can be anything from a flat tire on the interstate to losing your wallet on vacation. Just stop, breathe, and think about it. Taking a deep breath and looking for solutions is, is really the way to go. When I was semi-stranded up on the side of a, um, about a thousand foot up on the side of a mountain, I started to freak out. I did. I really did. Then I took a deep breath and I looked for options. I found one and I acted on it. Now, granted, I was still nervous when I crossed those chains, but I made it happen because that's what I had to do. Everyone has a different threshold for what will trigger that fight-or-flight response. I have since learned different ways to remain calm in those kind of situations, and it, and it works great. And that's something you'll have to explore yourself. There's lots of good options out there. Uh, just do a little bit of research on it, and you can find something that works for you. You can – sky's the limit when it comes to that. But the key thing is you've got to remain calm. Think about it like this uh, when it comes to planning for these things and doing your checklists and just being prepared, right? General uh, preparedness. When you fail to plan, you plan to fail, period. I've heard it said a million times while I was in the military, and that's why the military has checklists for everything. 99.9% of the time, that's why they have them because they work, all right? And it, it'll work for you too. And when you plan to fail by not making that kind of list or checking out your stuff, it's kind of like picking up a fork to eat a bowl of water. It doesn't work, so plan accordingly. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please follow me on Spotify. Also, check out listener support. 
to help get more content published. Check out Question of the Cast because you know I love feedback. Speed is fast, but accuracy is final. Stay safe, and remember, you are the last line of defense. <laughs>